Lord, we thank you for this time. If y'all would just gather in, we're going we're gonna to take a break here in just a moment. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, come in. Lord, I pray that you'll speak through me. Let your words of life go forth in glory and power and strong anointing. Lord, I pray that people be good, fertile soil for the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak through me words of life. Let your word go out as living seeds of truth, sown in good, fertile soil, watered by the Spirit of God, and take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. Let your word go forth as light shining and dispelling any type of darkness, the lies of the evil one, the deceptions. Let your word be a hammer that breaks down every stronghold. You said your word won't return void. Let it be a sword that goes forth and cuts away what needs to go. Lord, we thank you for the awesome power of your word. Lord, the word of God preached under the anointing is so powerful. Lord, I pray there be a great anointing on this word right now. And Lord, that every person would just be locked in and captivated by the Holy Spirit to give you their best ear and full attention. They have eyes and ears to be able to see and hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church. And we'll be able to perceive it by revelation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, this is part two in the series. Um, let me read this story up front. This is a man speaking about an, a powerful impartation he received, okay? He said, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as I was praying one day on my own. During that time, I received the call to ministry. This was 1991. I began a church under a larger ministry when this powerful man of God came to town to preach. This was 1996. And he was visiting the church. He said, I received a word from the Lord through him, and a friend wrote the prophecy down for me that day, and I still carry it with me. What my friend wrote is this, God has given you a unique and special anointing that will have great impact. He will send you to the United States and many countries, as well as Canada, with signs and wonders. You will be a prophet of fire. That was the beginning of a 20-day visitation from the Lord for me. So at that time, he had already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, a lot of people think, well, once you get saved... That's the first work of grace by the Holy Spirit, is the born again, the new birth experience. It's the Holy Spirit coming to live in you and give you life, a new birth, okay? That's the first work of grace of the Holy Spirit is the new birth. The second work of grace is the baptism of the Holy Spirit where there's a clothing of power from on high. That's why Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. That's the difference. But how many knows there's still more of the Lord? I mean, you read in the scriptures where Jesus um, breathed on the disciples at the end of John, which I believe was their new birth experience. That's just my personal opinion. But after he breathed on him, he said, go wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. I believe that was their baptism in the Holy Spirit because it was described as a clothing of power from on high. But even after that experience, they, you can see in what I, in my opinion, is the new birth. Because remember, Jesus raised from the dead. I mean, he had already died on the cross. He appeared to them. I'm pretty sure they believed, okay? <laughs> he walked through the wall. I think that they had faith. So when Jesus breathed on them, I believe he gave them a little deposit. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit and breathe on them. I believe that was their new birth. Then the day of Pentecost came. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, clothed with power. But after that, you still read that they still had these impartations from the Lord. For example, Peter and John, which by the way, it says Peter was filled with the Spirit that day. Um, spoke to the Sanhedrin boldly. They told him to quit preaching in the name of Jesus, persecute him. And what happened? They, they went and gathered together and prayed. And what does it say? It says the place they met was shaken like an earthquake. It shook, literally shook. 
and they were filled with the Spirit. This is Acts chapter 4. And they spoke the Word of God boldly, but they were filled with the Spirit. You see what I'm saying? There's always more of the Lord. Okay? So this guy had already been saved. He had already been uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit. But listen to this. This was the beginning. He had went to this meeting with this man of God. There was a touch of God on his life. And he said, this was the beginning of a 20-day visitation from the Lord. An angel came to him with a torch of fire in his hand and put it in my mouth, or in my hand, rather. And the angel said, swallow the torch. So he swallowed this torch. He said, it burned my mouth and throat. When it reached my stomach, he said, it caused an explosion. This is a spiritual torch. Now, before somebody thinks that's weird, what about John that ate the scroll? That's in the Bible. All right. He said, when it reached my stomach, it just, it was like an explosion. He said, then I could not walk for 22 days without falling out in the spirit. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty powerful visitation. He said, every time I try to get up, I fall back down. Every little sin in my life was magnified a thousand times. So he was really repenting of anything. He said, I, I would spend nights crying in God's presence and the people would have to hold me up to preach. Then everyone in the church would just fall or laugh. He said, in the first meeting after the impartation I received, a woman had her arm in a cast eaten away by bone cancer. She was totally healed. Many miracle signs and wonders continued happening since that impartation. Through, he saw it by himself, through my ministry, I've now traveled throughout the United States and around the world, um, and there's been salvations, healing, and the power of Jesus Christ has come forth and a fresh impartation of his presence. So this, even though he had already been saved and baptized Holy Spirit, there's more. I'm preaching this way because I want people to be hungry for more. That's the whole reason I'm doing this series. I want you to be hungry for more of the Lord. There's always more. Um, I'll teach more about this or bring up this story later on, but I had a real um, honor to be able to sit with Steve Hill back whenever he was in Dallas. And, and um, I was going to that church and and God, by God's grace, I was able to do some things there in, in, in leadership of ministry. And I remember that um, Pastor Steve and I were sitting and talking. And I was asking about impartation. Anyway, he was telling me that he referenced a time that um, he had went to the Argentine revival. And he said that he sought out Carlos Anacondia. And Carlos had laid hands and prayed over him. And he said the power of God hit him and he fell out in the mud. You know? He said, but I didn't care. He said, I received that impartation. And then, that was from the Argentine revival. And he heard about what was going on from, through Benny Hinn's ministries back in the States, you know. And so, he had a friend and he was pulling some strings, you know, to tell him where Benny was staying. And so, he finally found out through the grapevine he was at this certain holiday inn or whatever. And so, he went there and Benny was telling the rest of this story too. And he said, he said, I was not in the mood to pray for anybody. He said, I just come out of a meeting where people were being really mean to me. He said, I was not in the mood. And he comes out, and, there, and there's Steve, Steve and a couple of his buddies. They're like, Benny, would you pray for us? See, it's about being hungry. Because Benny Hinn was telling the story, too, they were talking about. He said, Benny said, I was not in the mood to pray. He said, I did not feel the anointing. He said, I just come out of a really rough meeting. But these guys were hungry. You know what I'm saying? He had never seen them before. But they were sitting there, and they, they had come from Argentine Revival. And they had come to get prayer. They were hungry. They were desperate. And so Benny just stood there and said, Lord, just give them whatever they're after. All of a sudden, the power of God just slammed right there. And they, all three of them flew backward, hit the floor. And Benny was like, whoa. I mean, it just came out nowhere. You know what it was? It was the hunger in them. It, it, the hunger in them tapped into that anointing. And then 
Brother Steve was continuing to talk to me and said that then later on he was traveling through London. And this is kind of a famous story now because of Brownsville. But when he was through London, he had stayed with some friends of his, and there was a revival that had broken out at Holy Trinity Brompton, which that revival went back to Toronto. That was the same impartation. Randy Clark had come over there. Revival broke out. For those of you who don't know, that revival was very powerful. And there was it, it actually got on Time magazine, and they were, there were lines a mile, literally a mile long, to get in that place. It's a small little place. And... Um, Brother Steve had went there, just hungry for the Lord, and uh, a man by the name of Sandy Miller had prayed for him. He was hit by the power of God. Now, he had already been touched by God. I mean, Brother Steve had already been saved. He had already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then, after that, he had had an impartation from Carlos and the Condi. God had mileded him, and then Benny Hinn. And, but there's always more. And he was hungry for more of the Lord, and he went there hungry. And he said when he was hit by the power of God in that place, he went out, and he said he felt like rivers just washing through him. And right after that is where he ended up at Brownsville and revival broke out at Brownsville. So I'm just saying that to give you a hunger there that there's always more of the Lord. What would have happened if Brother Steve had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and said, I've arrived. I mean, I've got it. I speak in tongues. I'm clothed with power. I'm good to go. I have arrived. And he had that type of attitude. He would have never received the greater measures that God had for him. There's always more than where you're at. All right, so let me give you a couple things. Here's some conditions to receive from the Lord. Now remember Romans 1.11 says, I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. So when the impartation of the anointing comes, let me give you a couple things. When the mighty impartation of the anointing comes, that anointing will begin a process in your life. And that's what God is actually doing with this group and a few other groups out there. God is preparing people right now for the great awakening that is coming to America. He really is. That's why he has these these hubs, these little hubs where he's preparing. There's a scripture in Isaiah, if I'm not mistaken, I could be. I think it's around Isaiah 49, but it talks about how the Lord will hide you in his quiver. And in that place, you know, you're being polished, you're being prepared, you're being refined, and God does a work in you in that hidden place of obscurity in the quiver of the Lord. And when he's ready... He'll take you out of his quiver, and then he will use you to display his splendor, his glory, his glory. Okay, But the Lord has people, and a quiver is a small place. I mean, there's a few little arrows in there that God's polishing. Does this make sense? Okay. But when the mighty anointing comes in your life, it usually will come many, many years before God really uses you to your full potential. Now, read, read a lot of the stories in history. People were touched by God, and then they began to seek him, but that anointing was doing a work in them. I just heard Randy Clark give his testimony. It's really interesting because the anointing came in his life actually in the late 70s, early 80s. As a matter of fact, he said in about 1983 or so that he had a very small congregation, but the power of God fell in that congregation the same as it did later in Toronto. But see, what God was doing was he was preparing Randy things like Toronto later. Does this make sense? But the impartation was there 10 years before Toronto. So people look at something like, for example, maybe like Bethel. They think, wow, look what God's doing. Man, um, if I know my story right, and I'm pretty sure I do, Bill Johnson got prayer at Toronto like 10 years or more before what's going on in Bethel. Seriously. He got prayer back in the 90s. So 
that anointing, though, what will happen is that anointing gets in you, and that anointing will begin to teach you what you normally would not understand. That's why in 1 John, it talks about the anointing that's within you will abide and teach you all things, where you don't have to have a teacher because the anointing will teach you. So the anointing will teach you. The anointing will begin to sanctify you. It's like this guy was saying, all of a sudden my sins seem magnified a thousand times. It's like Isaiah, when he had that encounter with God, all of a sudden he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know as well as I do, that man thought to himself, I'm dead, this is it. And he, but he saw God high and lifted up, his train, train of his robe filled the place, and he, and he said, woe is me. And what happened? He said, all of a sudden, in that atmosphere, he saw that his mouth needed to be cleansed. Your sins will be magnified and God will sanctify you. When the Holy Spirit's impartation comes real powerfully, God will begin a process of healing and delivering you from things that need to go. But it's usually a process. And God will begin to, to heal the spirit, the soul, the body, and begin to deliver you from things and set you free. And, and it's, it's layers upon layers. He's doing a work in you. The Holy Spirit will also, I know when you're saved, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit coming in you and sealing you like that. But when a mighty anointing comes, the Holy Spirit will also begin a process of sealing you off to protect you from the attacks of the enemy. Okay? And then also, the anointing will be used to empower you to do what Jesus did in the earth. Now people say, well, how can we be so presumptuous that we will do what Jesus did? Because Jesus told you that you would and he said, not only that, it's better for you that I go away, and you'll do greater things than I do. That's what he said with his own words. So, Jesus, we will do what Jesus did in the earth. So what did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He drove out demons. Okay? And so we're going to do the same type of thing. He raised the dead. Creative miracle. So here's a couple things. For you to really receive everything that God has for you, number one, you need to realize your own inadequacy. You really don't have what it takes in and of yourself to help you. And the sooner that you realize that, the better off you are. We're not the source. We're not smart enough. Somebody comes and goes, well, I have all these complex problems. Only God can help that, you know. But, but in Christ, all things are possible to them that believe. Anything that somebody needs, they can find in Christ. But it's going to come through the mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the anointing that raises the dead. It's the anointing that brings healing to the sick, drives out demons, everything that Jesus did, and everything that people need. I have seen, through the mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit, I've seen people that had multiple mental illnesses on medication healed. What psychiatry could not do for many years, many years, a lot of money, what psychiatry could not do, all they did was medicate the problem. The mighty Holy Spirit came in and solved it. Heal them. Problem solved. Seeing people with incurable diseases. Okay? Serious stuff. Totally healed by the anointing. Where doctors couldn't help them. So what I'm saying is it's the anointing that does this. Satan is not threatened by people. People, by and large, will look at, on the surface level, will look at how much money you know, how much prestige or reputation, charismatic personalities. And they'll look at all of that and they think, oh, well, that must be a great threat to the devil. But I promise you, friend, that in the spirit realm, 
things that are highly esteemed by man, a lot of times doesn't carry any weight in the spirit realm. And some of the things that are very lowly in the eyes of men will actually carry a lot of weight spiritually. So what is it that really makes somebody a threat? Well, Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Christ, and what Christ means is the Holy and the Anointed One. So what has made Jesus a threat to the devil was the anointing. He didn't do things out of being the Son of God. He didn't do things out of that office. He did things under the anointing. He did things by the Holy Spirit, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, because he sent an example for us to follow. We're going to do the same thing because the anointing's upon us. So what makes, the, what makes a person or a ministry a threat to the devil is the anointing. The more anointing, the more of a threat. That is what is a threat big time to the devil because he knows the power of the anointing to bring change. So the first thing that you must do is realize that you're inadequate without the anointing. You've got to come to a place and go, I don't have what people need. I've got to have the anointing. Number two, there's got to be a desire for spiritual your spiritual condition to change. In other words, if you're content where you are, you're going to stay where you are. If you're hungry for more of the Lord and change and to go to new levels and you don't want to stay where you're at, that's a good place to be. The next one is a desire to use the impartation for Christ's glory and his service. What's the motive? Are you wanting it to beef up your own ministry, your own finances, your own reputation, or do you want the anointing to give glory to the Lord? The fourth is this. There's got to be a desperate hunger for more of the Lord. There's got to be. The Bible said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled. It is a desperate hunger for more of God that will bring a touch in your life. Just like when Brother Steve and those guys came. They were desperate. I've got, I came all this way. I pulled strings to find out where this man is. I've done everything I do. He's not going to walk around me. He's going to pray for me. I mean, I've got to get something from God. I'm desperate. And, um, and they did. It was very powerful. And then the last two is this. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that comes through impartation. There have been times in people's lives where a mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit came. And then they, they began to be liberated from something that, that really held them back. They struggled with a certain sin. And now the power of the Holy Spirit is present. And all of a sudden they have the strength to overcome that sin. See, a lot of people misuse grace. And it's been a really bad teaching that's hurt a lot of people. And unfortunately, I believe will send many people to hell. And that, they, they, that whole teaching about grace is like a license or a pardon to sin, that type of thing. Grace is not what people think it is. Grace means God's favor. And if people will learn this, it, it's God's favor. And what, God, what grace is, is the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome. That's why God gives his grace to the humble. The humble will receive the grace, and the grace will take them over things, over the obstacles. So they've struggled with something. They've struggled with sin. Well, instead of saying, well, I'll just ask forgiveness and then keep doing it, instead of having that weird mentality that some people do, no. They, they humble themselves and ask for God's grace, and now the mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit gives them the spiritual strength now to overcome what used to break them down. And the last thing is this, and this is why I close with the honoring of the servant of the Lord. Okay, only Jesus deserves our worship, but there is a place for honor. The Bible talks about honoring people. 
So, whenever Jesus went to Nazareth, his hometown, they had no honor for this man at all. I mean, he came in and he tried to talk to him. He read out the scroll of Isaiah, and, and they didn't want to hear it. Remember? And Jesus said, "Only in my hometown, only in your hometown, among your own people, your relatives, will a prophet be without honor." There was no honor. Okay, that was the emphasis. And because they didn't honor Jesus at all, then they had no faith. And because they had no faith, the Bible says that Jesus, and this is what it says, look this up and do the study yourself. Jesus, the Son of God, it says he could not, not that, not W, he would not. It says he could not with a C. He could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith, except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. But it went back to their dishonor. And I've learned to honor people that I want to receive through their ministry. That's why the Bible says that if you'll honor a prophet as a prophet, then you'll receive the prophet's reward. That's a pattern. The same way, if you'll honor and receive an evangelist as an evangelist, you'll receive the evangelist's reward. And the same thing with apostles, etc. And whenever somebody's there that, that I want them to pray for me or whatever, many times to myself, I'll pray. And I'll, and I'll just say something like this, Lord, I bless so-and-so. I, I honor them as a man of God. I honor them as whatever apostle, prophet, whatever they are. I bless them. And Lord, I honor their ministry. Now I'm going to go in faith and I'm asking you to, to pour into my life whatever you have for me. And whenever I go up there to get prayer, I just simply let the Lord pour into me whatever he has. But before I ever go, whether I'm in the audience or whatever, I always take a moment to really honor that person. And I speak a blessing out over them and I honor them and I, and I go very humble and honoring of them to receive what God has for you. You don't want to go up there real cocky. Okay, they don't have to pray for you. You hear what I'm saying? And you're not God's gift to the anointing. And, you know, they're, they're so honored to be able to pray for you. Oh, you know, like that. It's not like that. And, you know, there was a story that Steve Hill told during the Brownsville Revival. He used to travel and minister. And he said there was a, he was at this meeting, and he was praying for all these people. And, I mean, they're getting hit by the power everywhere. And there was this man that came in that was a, that was a preacher. And he had a couple bodyguards with him. I guess he was, you know, a high-profile preacher. But he'd come in and very proud. And Brother Steve was just praying for people and went walked by him and went to pray for him. And instead of the power of God hitting him, he said it was like the power of God went like this and they came back and hit Steve and Steve flew down on the ground. And he said this, he said, I know that that man that was real proud and arrogant, he said, I know that he thought I'm so anointed that I knocked him down. But Steve said actually what happened was that what God had for that man, God was opposing him. But giving grace to the humble, God gave it back on Brother Steve what God had for him. You see what I'm saying? So it's important to be humble and to honor, but to be hungry too. I remember back during the revivals of times past, you would see people just desperately hungry, pressing in to get more of the Lord. You know, many times Jesus was in what they called the Bible called the press, because all these people were pressing in on him. And I've seen that also many times, you know, during these revivals, men of God, people are pressing in on them and they're trying to pray for everybody that they can. They only have two hands, you know, and there's people everywhere. Well, Lord, we thank you so much for this teaching. I pray that there'll be a desperate hunger in your people for more of the Lord to not stay where we are, but to keep pressing in because it is the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. It is the anointing that brings strength and grace to overcome sin. It's through the anointing that we bring, that healing comes and deliverance comes, breakthroughs, miracles. 
And Lord, we thank you that the mighty Holy Ghost, the Bible says the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and gives life to our bodies. So the Holy Spirit is literally, the anointing within us is bringing change even to our physical bodies. And we thank you, Lord, for your awesome anointing. And we ask you, Lord, for more. Don't let us stay where we are, but we ask you, Lord, increase the anointing, increase the glory. We're hungry for more of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.